Welcome to Beyond My Comic Shop. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Beyond My Comic Shop is a subseries of My Comic Shop History, featuring stories in and around the comic book world. This subseries was previously known as Flat Squirrel Tales, but following a crisis of infinite podcasts, all of my shows now live under the My Comic Shop History podcast feed. This installment originally aired as an episode of Flat Squirrel Tales last season. It features comic book artist V. Ken Marion, whose work you've seen in DC's Trinity, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, and more. We geeked out pretty hard about comics, Justice League, and Smallville, and we also talked about breaking into and navigating the comics industry. My Comic Shop History, Beyond My Comic Shop, and My Comic Shop Book Club will all return with new episodes later in 2018. For now, enjoy this presentation of Creator Chat with V. Ken Marion. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, of course, of course. So I was surprised to learn that V, the letter V, mm-hmm. no period, just the letter no period, V, is yeah. your actual first name. Yes, yeah. Because I, was, I wasn't unsure about that. I didn't know if it was a, an initial, but I, that is actually your first name. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, My grandpa's name was Vincent, when, and um, when he was a kid, his nickname was V, so my dad thought it would be cool to name me V, and yeah, and my middle name is Ken, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I came across that as I was uh, as I was preparing for today. I'm like, oh, right on. It's funny though, because when you say V Ken Marion, if you're not listening closely, it kind of sounds like V Ken Marion. Yeah, that when I was in college, someone that came up when I was in college once, and they're like, why does everyone refer to you as the Ken? I'm like, no, that's not. It's V. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think we'll have a really fun conversation here today. Uh, I mean, I, I could ask you, how did you get into comics? What was your process like? But I think we could have a little bit more fun than that. So <laughs> I, I, I do want to touch on those things totally, as totally. well. But, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank you. You uh, helped out big time with the My Comic Shop Country Kickstarter campaign, uh, contributing a sketch as a reward. Like, that was huge. Thank you so much. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to get it done sometime around Christmas, maybe. I don't know. I got some deadlines coming up and some covers I have to do. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to I'm gonna do a pretty sweet Wonder Woman for it. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, but that was honestly, like, that was so huge to have that as part of the campaign. I mean, these rewards are such a big part of it. Um, so that was, you know, really, I really appreciate that. No, of course i'm super happy that it got funded in because i'm really excited to see it so yeah and i've lo- been loving your show so yeah it's definitely been keeping me company on some of those deadlines like listen to all your episodes so it's listen I, and i don't say this for a fact like i i'm honored the fact that you are creating comics while listening to these shows <laughs> is like is really cool and you know speaking of the reward so not only did you contribute a reward which was more than enough to begin with but you also uh pledged yeah the photo shoot reward yeah yeah for, uh, for you and your your fiance yeah for our engagement photos yeah yeah i saw that and i was like oh this is perfect so yeah so that's exciting so my wife stephanie she'll be uh she'll be taking the photos and uh yeah that's gonna be fun i'm so excited about that i'm sure that's exactly what her and laura are talking about right now probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes the ladies are, are off elsewhere yeah. while we're while we are doing these recordings so uh yeah yeah. And I say recordings because we uh, also recorded an episode of My Comic Shop Book Club. We talked about Doomsday Clock number one. That was fun. Yeah, so super fun. So we finally met in person at New York Comic Con uh, back in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that experience for you? It was you? good. It Not was... meeting me, but the convention. Yeah. Oh, meeting you was the <laughs> highlight of it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. It was uh, that... So I had a crazy deadline right before it, and then I had the show, and then I had another crazy deadline right come right after that. So that was like 
you you met me like mid exhaustion point like yeah so it was just like a create last three months were just like just working like nonstop so it was a it was a nice break but it was definitely probably the most tired I've ever been at a show it was that New York Comic Con one that just passed yeah no I mean I can imagine I know you've been busy uh, actually when I was at oh yeah comics picking up Doomsday Clock number one I also grabbed uh, three of your recent Trinity issues oh thank you uh, thank which you. I had a chance to read and I really enjoyed the Dark Trinity oh story thank line. you thank you uh, he didn't have the final issue but that's coming so I'm gonna have that yeah. soon <laughs> but I really enjoyed what what I read so far and you know speaking of the convention of it all so I announced this in the My Comic Shop History season finale next season of My Comic Shop History the theme for season four is going to be my comic con history oh cool so i'm gonna do a season on convention so i awesome. will definitely want to talk to you again more about your convention experience because i uh, think it's it's such an interesting aspect of of this industry and as i go to more shows not like i've been to a ton but as i go to more shows like it's just there's so much going on so many players so many different pieces uh so that's what the next season of the, of the other podcast is going to be about yeah yeah that 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 sounds very interesting <laughs> like i'm definitely looking forward to hearing everyone else's takes on it yeah and you had our mutual friend, Tom Darby, mm-hmm. at the table with you. Yeah, yeah. Tom's awesome. He's become like a really, really good friend. So it was yeah. awesome. He always comes to the cons and, and he helps out like crazy. Like I, it, almost to the point where like, I don't think I could do New York without him helping me out. Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm sure he will love to hear that. Yeah, no, he's such a cool guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so how, um, how did you meet Tom? Tom, um, I think he might've gotten into this one, that collecting episode he did. Um, he came... I think he he came to uh, I think I want to say it was 2013 New York Comic. It was the first time I ever did New York Comic Con. He came up and just asked for a commission, and he actually emailed me beforehand, like a couple days beforehand, to get a commission. And then he came back, like he came the first day, picked it up, and we just started talking for a little bit. And then I think he came back for another commission and a page from one of my old issues. I want to say they didn't have with me, like I had to bring it from home, and then. Like he just kind of like just hung around and was talking like for the show, you know, and we were like, yeah. And and I, no one knew who I was. So no one else is really coming to my table. So I was basically just like talking to him for like a couple hours, three or four hours at the sh- that one show. And then he set up another home commission that over like the next couple months. And, um, I got done and he, he's, and I said, do you know, how do you want me to mail this out? And he's like, well, I live near here. And I'm like, oh, cool. So let's just like meet at Midtown. And so can save on shipping and everything i gotta go pick up comics anyways like let's let's meet there and we we're just like hanging out like all we we're just like like shooting the shit and like talking about the comics and everything and yeah he just like became, became friends and then um he came the next um kind of was special edition and i think he was again he was hanging out and i said hey dude tomorrow i'll bring a folding chair you can just come and like hang out and yeah and then we just became really good friends and yeah we hang out all the time now like he's a super cool dude like it was like awesome yeah nice no it's very cool yeah i mean i've known him for years you know through alternate realities and you know i remember we started talking about uh you know hanging out with you and, and everything <laughs> so uh no that, that's really cool did he tell you well you must have known what his original plan for this year's new york comic-con was right when he was gonna go to vegas for one day yeah that was, I, when he told me that i was like huh and, and i remember he he told me, and then like when his plans fell through, I, I I think I didn't tell Laura at first, and until it was all over, and I'm like, oh yeah, Tom was like gonna not be here one day and gonna go to Vegas, and she's like, wait, what? Like she couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Tom has gotten really into MMA. Yeah, right. And he was gonna fly to Vegas to watch a fight and come back the same day. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of Comic Con weekend. Yeah, I'm uh, like. 
I feel bad for him because all that fell through, but yeah. uh, he would have been exhausted. I can't, I can't imagine being it, like up that long. You know what, like, though? I have to say, and I, I, I hope and assume he'll be listening to this, if there's anyone who could do it, I could see Tom do oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally, yeah. You know? Yeah. When he's really laser-focused on something, like I could, I could see him doing that. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, like I said, like selfishly i'm like happy he didn't because like because i because like i like i seriously like i don't think i could do new york comic con without him helping because so when you have someone helping you tom and mm-hmm. tom in this case i mean what is it that he's doing that that's making your life easier um well him and him and, and laura now since the last few years since we've been dating uh she's been helping out as well at the tables but um it's like helping like get the posters um help like we talk to customers like when i'm sketching because like a lot of it is like i'm doing commissions so it's hard to give people the amount of attention when you're behind the table and and also get the stuff done at the same time like you kind of have to do one or the other and then when you've got people there they can help talk to people who are at the table or help in engage conversation or just the simply of like getting posters out when people want to buy posters and then just like literally putting them in front of me so i can just sign them while i keep drawing you know and then there's also if you have to go to the bathroom like because I've gone to these shows where like I fly out and you know, it's just me. Like it's not, Laura's not coming with me. So I'm like behind the table and I was just at a show where I think I didn't like, go to the bathroom for like, I want to say like nine hours or something. Like it was like, it was awful. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. And especially in New York when with the amount of time it takes to maneuver, like you kind of need someone there at the table. So it's true. I mean, it's so actually right, right over your shoulder. There's a whole pile of uh, equipment that I got to shoot the My Comic Shop Country documentary. And I got it at B&H in the city recently. And my wife came with me and I wouldn't have been able to manage otherwise. And even with her, like we really needed a third person almost like yeah. there's a lot of stuff and it's, they have quite the operation there. And they kind of um, like you as you're, I don't know if you've ever been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're familiar with the process where like you, you're not actually like carrying stuff with you through the store, but it they give you a ticket. It belt. Yeah. yeah. So like you, you tell them what you want and they give you a ticket. And then if you go to another department, they print out a new ticket with a new item, which is very wasteful. Like, not like I'm such an environmentalist, but it just seems very wasteful to me that they keep like, they'll, they'll take your old ticket, rip it up and then print out a new one for you. Yeah. But anyway, so you go through the store, you go to each department, you get your, your ticket and you get new tickets and then you go to pay and then you go to another place to pick it up. And it is quite the operation. Like they had everything ready to go, but like, they, like throw it at you at the end. And it's like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure similarly, uh, you know, it's something as crazy, like a convention, you know, having extra sets of hands really, really does help. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I've. Like like I said, I couldn't. I definitely couldn't do it without Tom. Because like even when me and Laura were just trying to set up, like it's it's more than like w- even two people can do. Like we just set up and tear down and stuff. And we don't even have that much compared to some of these people. So I don't I don't know how these guys with these huge displays do it. You know. Yeah, I also have to say to Tom's credit, and I don't say this to shame anybody else. I don't. But for the Kickstarter campaign, I did reach out to my art collector friends. Mm-hmm. And asked if they could reach out to their to the artists that they know to see if anyone would be willing to to do what what you did, mm-hmm. and Tom was the only one who came through. <laughs> the others try they try and they they tried, but uh, well, so this Tom's is a, a stand up guy. This He's... is a credit to Tom and to you. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, no, you guys you guys were were really clutch with that. No, no, yeah, Tom Tom's awesome. Yeah, He's, like I say, he's like one of my really good one of my best friends. So yeah. nice, cool. 
So um, when you're, I mean, and again, I want to have you back next season on the other show. And we'll really get more into the convention side of this. But uh, I mean, just generally speaking, what types of interactions are you having with people as they're coming up to you? I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, quite the love fest, right? I mean, these are people coming up telling you that they like your work. Oh, I mean, you know, people come up and they're like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've never had that yet. Thank God. Um, but you, no, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much just what you'd expect, I guess. I mean, I don't think it's any different from like I guess what most artists would experience, you know, just people come up and look at, usually it's the either a lot of it. Now it's a lot of green lantern people come up because I've got the green lantern banner. Um, so, uh, a lot of like just green lantern fans, but, um, before that, I just kind of like, if they notice the posters and they'll come over. Yeah. Right. So yes, yeah, so you did do issues of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Yep. I know you're going to be doing issues of Green Lanterns, right? Yep. yep. Just started on it actually. You just finished uh, an arc on DC Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, before you got to DC, I know you did work for uh, Aspen. Yep. Right. Yeah. Blue Water. Uh, that was the very first thing I did. I only did a few issues for them, but um, yeah, I did. I worked at. I broke in with Blue Water. I did some of those bio comics. I did Vincent Price. I did. I did Logan's run. I did Adam West. Um, and then that's when I started. Then I got a few issues at Xenoscope, uh, Grim Fairy Tales, Wonderland. And then then from there I got an actual arc at Boom Comics on a story called Extermination, which is cool. It was like the second half of this alien invasion kind of story. And then after that is when I started at Aspen and I was there for like three years. We talked about this on the book club episode we did, but I know that one of your uh, early inspirations, one of the things that made you want to do this professionally was the uh, Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee, Batman hush story. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as I said on that other episode, I was, I was sh- not shocked, but it was just weird when I read that. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's so recent. Like, it just came out. And then I did the math and I realized, no, like, it's actually been quite a while. But so I <laughs> yeah. know that was, so I know you mentioned that. And then um, as far as like early inspirations, uh, Michael Turner's DC work, mm-hmm. yeah. he did that terrific Supergirl arc on Superman oh, yeah. Batman. So and then his, good. the Flash covers. Th- that's what actually, that was my first introduction to him. And that is actually what made me read the Flash was his covers. Like, ah. that was my introduction to that Jeff John stuff. And then I went back and back issues and found all the earlier Jeff John stuff and went back to all the Mark Wade and all that. But, um, but yeah, um, it was the cover where it's like him, he's kind of sideways and he's got the villains like around him. There's like Captain Cold and uh, I think Mirror Master and yeah. But yeah, that I, I love his stuff. And it, those guys are definitely the two that were the biggest inspirations for me. I feel like you could probably see that in my art. It's yes. kind of like a hybrid of those guys. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many people now too that are like, like Brett Booth now is like probably one of my... Like, I love his stuff. Like, the just the energy and the motion that he's able to convey is, like, awesome. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. I mean, that run, yeah, I mean, that Flash run in particular uh, stands out to me. It's one of my favorites. I remember, because I was reading, I got into Flash with number 152, which was the start of the Dark Flash, the Walter West storyline. Oh, yeah. I, I've never read that. You've never, oh, it's. I've never read that, no. So this came towards the end of Mark Wade's run. Like Mark Wade had a years long run mm-hmm. on, on Flash and this was actually towards the end of it. I don't know that this part is quite as revered as the earlier part of his run, like Born to Run and Return of Barry Allen, but it's, it's when I got into it, I remember being at Comic Book Heaven in White Plains and they had their new comics out on the table and I remember seeing the cover of Flash 152 with, with the dark Flash and it just... It just caught my interest. It's mm-hmm. one of those things I was thinking about this where it's like, I used to do that. Like I used to see a cover and be like, oh, this looks interesting and try a new series. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't really do that anymore. I totally do that now. That's great. That's, I mean, I wish I did. I, it's weird because like, 
I feel like I don't collect issues out of habit anymore. It's almost more of that where it's like I, I pick stuff up based on like how cool the character looks or how cool the cover looks, you know? Um, it's tough now though. Cause creative teams shift so fast now that it's hard to do that. But yeah, no, that I've, I've been, they've been releasing the Mark Wade stuff in trades and I've been collecting those trades. So, cause I have, I have like a sprinkling of it and I don't have any of the, I've never read any of the Walter West stuff, but I've have like stuff from like, issue 100 116 like like okay. a sprinkling of stuff in there like all the um, like oscar jimenez is the artist on a lot of it and um uh michael ringo was the other guy who yes. did a lot of it yeah so yeah no i mean it's it's a great run so i've i've actually been going back and reading the the earlier stuff but uh yeah that's where i got into it with walter west and then i tracked down like the previous year's worth of stories which was chain lightning this like huge mm. time travel storyline uh, but anyway, when Wade was done, Jeff, a young upstart, <laughs> came on to do a six-issue fill-in arc, and then that became a five-year run. That's the one where it was like... Wonderland. In, yeah, where it's like in medieval times and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that that's a really good story. Because like, yeah. it's like not like at all what you think the flash should be doing like with like medieval like stuff it's cool but it works so good yeah yeah so uh so i mean i i can see why those uh that run but especially those uh those turner covers stood out to you what was it about hush that that hooked you in that way hush uh oh it was the i mean i my initial why i bought it was because wizard had run an article about who's hush wizard magazine at the time was the comic book magazine for kids who don't know it these days um, and they would like, they pumped up, they're like, Oh, Jim Lee drawing Batman. And I'm like, who's Jim Lee? Like, cause I was like 14 and I had read X-Men number one as like a kid, but I didn't cognitively like put names to faces and stuff, you know? And I just, I saw, um, they just had a drawing of Batman in there and I was like, Oh, this Batman looks really cool. Next time I go to the comic book store when I'm buying X-Men and Spider-Man stuff, I'll, I'll pick up Batman. And it was toward the end of that hush run. It was the one where he's fighting Ra's al Ghul. And I just remember like, reading it and at the time it, the issue started with him i think he's in the bat plane and he like he shoots a grapple hook onto air force one where lex luther's on the plane and he kind of like sw- it's this whole sequence of him jumping from like the bat plane onto air force one and i just remember at the time like that compared to all the other comics i was buying like it just like blew my mind like it looked like so 3d and like immersive and like dynamic and it just like i was like oh my god like i want to draw like this yeah were you satisfied with the reveal of who Hush was? Okay, so I got it right. Yeah. I guessed it. So um, the month before the last issue came out, I remember this so distinctly. It was that DC on their website ran a sweepstakes that said, guess who Hush is? And I said, I'm like, I think it's the Riddler because the whole thing's a riddle. And like, it came to the end. I'm like, oh my God, I got it right. Like, I was so like excited about that. But nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess I was kind of similar as far as Jim Lee goes, because like, again, our mutual friend Tom, like he followed him, those X-Men days, the early image days. Mm-hmm. But for me, like that just wasn't really part of my reading history. So, um, I mean, I, actually his Hush Run is probably one of the first things of his that I read. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the first thing of his I read regularly. Like, I went back to a lot of that image stuff, because I know me and Tom, like, let's, me and Tom talk about that all the time, like the 90s image, like we both love it so much. Um but yeah, like I remember Wildcats and um, X-Men from when I was younger, but it wasn't like I, I was buying them because I liked the characters. It wasn't like I didn't know who Jim Lee was when I was like seven, you know, <laughs> like so it was I definitely like was into it because of that. And then I in high school, I was like, oh, this is the same guy who did that. Oh, no wonder it looks so good. Like, So 
Uh, so those were early inspirations. Uh, well, I want to circle back to how you got into the industry because I'm always fascinated by that. And I've spoken with people who are, uh, you know, are trying to do that or who have done it. And it, it's just always interesting to me. But uh, just going back to New York Comic Con, it was it was great, you know, meeting you and meeting Laura and getting to chat for a bit. And one of the things that I was most excited to learn is that you're a fellow Smallville fan. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's a little risky for me to bring this up because I feel like this entire episode might now be about Smallville. <laughs> bring it on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we had a similar experience where, again, we're both born in 87, same age. So we were high school freshmen. I was actually in eighth grade. Okay. All yeah. right. So my, my birthday is in the summer. So. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So we're the same age, but I think I'm one year because I graduated college in 2010. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was a high school freshman when Clark was a high school freshman. You were at the, the, the perfect, I thought I yeah. was at the perfect age, but you were like at the perfect age. It was it. perfect. Like as a, a lifelong Superman fan to have the show come along match up with where I was in, in my life and mm-hmm. schooling and all of that. And also I feel like at that age, it was kind of perfect because I was old enough where I it was able to appreciate what was going on in the show, but I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't looking for the seams necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was able to kind of uh, like just give myself over to the show and not totally. overanalyze it too much. Well, also it came initially. out at a time when we didn't have Flash on TV. We didn't yeah. have Arrow. We didn't have any of these movies. We had, I mean, this is before Batman Begins, you know, it was before X-Men 2. Like it was like literally like, it was before pretty much the only movies that it, it was before Spider-Man 1, I think. It was like literally like the only movie that had come out was Blade and X-Men 1, I think when Smallville came out. So it just like, like the seams that were there, like this bad effects or whatever, like they're not that bad, you know what no, I mean? They hold yeah. up pretty well. I yeah. think even looking back on them now, but yeah, I mean, man, that was my show. I mean, 10 years. Oh dude, it was so good. Yeah. That was, you, did you watch it like live all the way through? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched it cause it was something me and my dad would do. And my mom sometimes would watch too, but it was really me and my dad who were like really into it. And then even when I went to college, like every Thursday or whatever day it was on, cause it started hopscotching around at that point but it was like i'd you know watch it and call my dad up right after like oh did you see that did you see that yeah so it's definitely uh something that yeah very fond place in my heart and like to this day to me like superman is tom welling like in like when i read the comics when when i draw him like in my head it's tom welling you know and i know he probably doesn't want to hear that like tom welling but like to me he he, he was born to play superman like yeah he was uh, I, I mean i agree like uh, tom welling is clark Michael Rosenbaum's Lex, Erica Durant's Lois. I mean, oh, like, she's when the I best. She's these, the best one. Yeah, I mean, when I think of the quintessential versions of those characters, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, and especially Michael Rosenbaum as Lex. Like, he's the perfect Lex. Like, yeah. The thing about Tom Welling, it's like, it's hard. It's hard to play earnest, mm-hmm. right, and not be corny. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can do it well, like he can, yeah. it's so effective. I mean, I think you see that with Chris Evans as well as Steve Rogers. Yes. Because yeah. it's just, it can be a very tricky balance. And I feel like, uh, you know, the, the version of Clark we got was, uh, the writing was sometimes a little frustrating. I don't know how you felt about it. Because as much as I love the show, there were things about it that really frustrated me over the years. I, I didn't, I wasn't picking it apart. I was just kind of enjoying the ride. Yeah. The only, <laughs> I'm such a huge Flash fan. The only thing that drove, drove me nuts was that they made it Bart Allen and they called him Impulse. That was the only, really the only thing that irked the crap out of me. But uh, other than that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and you know, I know you and I have talked about this off mic, but you know, the all these other shows, maybe the movies too, to an extent, but certainly the TV shows that we're seeing now, like all these CW shows, mm-hmm. Gotham as well, 
they really owe a debt to Smallville. I mean, Smallville, I think, paved the way and carried that torch for a long time and sustained itself over 10 years. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even Man of Steel, the, the movie Man of Steel, takes a lot from Smallville, like a lot. Like if, if you watch the show, you can see it in like, I mean, even Chloe Sullivan has a shout out in the movie. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, that it definitely carried the torch. And I think... Like for people of our generation that watch the show, like we said, he's our definitive Superman. Even though he only, he only wore the costume in one episode, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, and not even then, really, not even the whole thing. I mean, the ending of it was good, but if I had my my pick, it would have gone like fifteen seconds longer, and you would have seen him like rip the shirt off completely and the whole suit, and he do just like a fly, like Christopher Reeve style flying, like, and you just see him like for like ten seconds, like in the suit, would have been awesome, but. That ending, and for people who aren't aware, you know, in the series finale, he finally embraces his heroic destiny, but you, you don't actually see him in the costume. Like, any time you see, he's, he's rendered digitally. Yeah, and then at the end, you get the shirt rip. At yeah, least. you get the shirt rip. Yeah, you get the, the wish you got in Justice League, too, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so happy about that. Yeah. But I, I, my, I eventually made my peace with the finale, and I, my feeling was, like, it, it represented what the show was over the 10 seasons, which was overall enjoyable some frustrating moments but like ultimately worth the ride yeah yeah yeah. oh no it's it's my favorite show for sure yeah like, me yeah. too and i i think i, I kind of think the show was more popular than i thought it was going to be i think the initial plan was to have four years in high school and then like the fourth year would be the last season right. of it and you could tell like when he's in like the black trench coat and all like there's a bunch of there's a lot of nonsense in seasons like seven eight you know like but um <laughs> but in, in the last season kind of like pulled it all back around and made it good so you know i actually have to say like i i didn't mind i know people really didn't like the black trench coat style wise maybe they could have gone in a different direction but i actually like the idea of the red blue blur and then the blur like the idea of there being sort of like an in-between stage before he's full-on superman like that kind of made sense to me because i feel like stepping out in front of the world is like such a big step Mm -hmm. and the fact that there was something in between like i know they were just killing time but like just trying to look at it in the context of of his journey like it made i was okay with it yeah yeah no i was okay with that i didn't like they were calling the blur i thought that was kind of kind of lame i wish they were just calling him something else but did you prefer the blur or the red blue blur I thought they were both lame because <laughs> I, I thought it was like lame version of Flash kind of like yeah. that. But um, I, I hated the trench coat thing just because I thought the trench coat. Nobody looks good in a trench coat. Nobody. like, <laughs> Not even Gambit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always great to, you know, to chat with a fellow, a fellow Smallville <laughs> fan. I, you know, all these shows, right? They're coming back for these revivals, sequels, mm-hmm. whatever. I actually have an idea for a potential Smallville revival. I don't think we'll ever get it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But you never know. It's like you never know. You never know. I, I think they're too old at this point. But that plays into my idea. So the idea that I have is, like, I've made my piece. I don't think we're ever going to see Tom Welling in the Superman costume. I think if we were going to see it, it would have been in the series happen, finale. Yeah. So I'm accepting the idea that he will not wear the costume. So Do you think that's his choice? Yes. Okay, I truly do. Because if I was Tom Welling, I would be like, I'm wearing this damn costume in the last episode. <laughs> like, I would have like been like adamant that like I would have had extended scenes wearing the costume. But I guess, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I yeah, that's just the sense that I mean, I don't know for sure, yeah. but that's the sense that I get. But the idea that I would have is that kind of kind of like a Kingdom Come esque thing where 
you know, we saw over 10 seasons pre-Superman, mm-hmm. maybe in a revival we see post-Superman, something, and it doesn't need to be the death of Lois a la Kingdom Come, maybe it's something else, but has forced him to retire and return to the farm. Mm-hmm. And then something happens in Smallville, maybe, I don't know, it doesn't need to be Meteor Freaks again, but maybe something that kind of circles back to the origins of the show. That'd be right? cool. And he's got to, you know, got to get back like into super guy. heroics. Well, <laughs> not like so old, but yeah. I mean, with Tom Welling's already in his 40s right yeah or close to 40 yeah yeah, he's not old but you know you figure this happens over the coming years or whatever again i don't think it'll ever happen but i something like that like a limited like a limited series Mm -hmm. revival post superman career back on the farm and he's got to dig out that old red jacket (laughs) you can imagine the scene though like he goes into the barn like he holds up the jacket like it'd be great yeah like the suit gets torched in the first episode and like so he just has the jacket yeah 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 That'd be cool. I'd okay. be on board with that. That would be I, fun. I, I would watch that. I'd totally watch that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see him show up in one of these CW shows as a superhero, like a different superhero, like a Hal Jordan or something, like something like completely different than Superman. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Well, so on Supergirl, we have Erica Durant now playing uh, Kara's, Kara's birth mother. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And it's like, if we ever need a Jor-El, you got the perfect guy or Kara's father, but I, I would like to see, I would like to see Tom Welling play Jor-El. Yeah. That would be pretty neat. That'd be I cool. Think. That'd be cool. So, you know, we're talking about the TV side. There's also this whole movie component to the DC universe as well. Yeah. And I kind of, I actually don't know what I'll call this episode yet. Uh, it'll probably be like a, you know, convert spotlight on, on V Ken Marion, <laughs> but the Ken Marion, but I did contemplate calling it uh, like the DC Extended Universe Support Club because, I, you know, I've talked about this on past episodes and I want to get your take on it as well, but I really feel like these DC movies get far more hate than they deserve. Way more hate than they deserve. I like all of them. Like, I love some of them, but I like all of the ones that have come out. Like, even Suicide Squad, I didn't think, was like nearly as bad as people were making it out to be. Like... It was kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be based on the trailers. And I don't understand why people were so like incensed by it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, my wife and I uh, saw you and Laura mm-hmm. at uh, the Alamo Draft House for yep. Justice League. Yeah. We happened yeah. to be going at the same time. So it was fun. And yeah, I mean, I like, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I loved it. I, I literally was like everything I wanted it to be. Like I didn't. Again, the negative reviews were really bumming me out, and the fact that it didn't make as much money the first weekend as people thought. Like, I'm like, I don't know why, because it it seemed like it hit all the notes that people were like didn't like about the other movies. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it it was brighter, it was more optimistic. Superman rocked in it. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like we finally got the Superman, like the right the right tone for Superman yeah. in these movies. You know, honestly, my only real issue with the movie was the how and when of Superman's return. Like, I just wanted a little bit more with that. Yeah, I heard a lot of reviews talking about, like, I listened to a bunch of podcast reviews talking about it, and they all had their own opinions on it. But, um, but yeah, that seemed to be the one, like, thing that everyone talked about was they didn't like how Superman was brought back with the mother box and stuff. I, I didn't hate it. But I, I didn't think about it too much. I, right. just, I knew he had to come back. And I didn't really care how they did it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. I didn't really mind that. When I say the how, that I didn't really mind so much. It was more just, <laughs> I wish there had been a little bit more of a narrative thread of we have to bring back Superman. Because it just kind of, the way it plays in the movie, 
it's just like Bruce has this idea, like, oh, we could use this to bring back, like, out of nowhere. Mm. I don't know. I just would have liked if if we had seen Bruce working on on the problem earlier, right? Like, yeah. I have to bring back Superman, but I don't have a power source. And then it's like, here's the mother box. Like, it just okay. kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. The only thing that bothered me about the mother box, and it involved Flash, so I want to get your take on this. Why Why did Flash need to charge the mother box the second it hit the water? Why? I, that felt so arbitrary. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Cyborg know. Cyborg was just like, you have to do it the second it hits the water. Yeah, it's like, I why? don't know. I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Again, why? I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know because it was because the ship had no power, right? That's why they. That's why he needed his lightning right. to, to to juice it up. Yeah, I don't know. The timing piece of it just seemed like we need to create some urgency, so we'll make it that it has to be. Yeah, at this exact like moment. a cool slow motion moment where he's like, you know, <laughs> like. Um, I feel like once Superman was back in action, they really struck the right tone with him. But I got to tell you, and I might be in the minority here, but when he's immediately post resurrection and mm-hmm. he's just tearing through the league mm-hmm. and he grabs batman and he turns that line back on him and he yeah. says tell me do you bleed mm-hmm. i loved it i did too i, I did loved too. it i did too i loved it yeah i know because i i hate the idea that batman beats superman up all the time like i really don't like that because come on let's be real superman would always be batman um yeah i like that whole scene i kind of wish he had the black costume even though it would make no sense you know i wish he had the black costume with would the it have made rest. any less sense than his shirt ripping off but his pants being perfectly intact which is what happened in the movie yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that either. Like, yeah, but um, yeah, no, uh, that whole fight was like great though. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah that line in particular because it's like I like the angry Superman, but in certain instances, and I think mm-hmm. if he's angry all the time, that's too far in that direction. But like at the right moment, like the end of uh, I always go back to the end of the Justice League cartoon where he has that speech to Darkseid, mm-hmm. where he's like, I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard. Like, yeah. I can really cut loose with you. Like, I love that. And so yeah. when we get those moments of, like, angry Superman, when they're moments and not the entire movie, uh, I think it works well. Yeah, yeah. I loved when, like, he's fighting Cyborg and Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and he's got them all, and then the Flash, like, starts running around him. And, like, in slow, in, like, speed force mode, he starts turning his head. Flash is like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Now, as a Flash fan, how did you... And I know you're a fan of the television show. Oh, yeah, totally. How did you feel about this movie depiction of The different of version of him? Yeah. Um, I, it's a different take. Like, I, it kind of felt almost like they are going to the cartoon a little bit. Like, the cartoon take, the Justice cartoon version of him, where he's a little, like, funnier and a right. little... Yeah, because, like, Barry in the comics is a little more square. Like, I think the the one the grant Costa on the show is like more how in line with like how the comic was and this one's more in line with the cartoon show portrayal of him um which i know is wally west but but again wally west in that show isn't how he's portrayed in the comics so yeah people confuse that sometimes um but no i i liked it i thought it was a good take and he was still the, the csi guy which is cool and like his um uh, i love his costume i think I know I've heard some people not like, I think it looks great. Like, I think it looks way better than the TV show costume. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people seem to feel otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I love this. I like, that's like that bright red with like the white symbol and the, the wings. They're not lightning bolts, but they're actual wings on his head. Like, yeah, yeah. Like the mercury wings. Yeah. I think, I think it looks cool. So. Yeah. He worked more for me than I thought he would. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I felt that the comic relief that he provided was, was well needed and well timed. And I, like it, it worked well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he's. In, in going forward, I hope he becomes a little more like 
confident. Like, I hope they portray the character as, like, becomes more of, like, established hero, kind of like the progression that Wally had going from, like, unconfident to unconfident. Right. And I know it's Barry. I know it's Barry. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm excited. Apparently, there's a whole scene cut out with Iris where he, like, saves her from a car crash. And, like, I saw photos of it online. And, like, it looked awesome. Like, so I don't know why they cut it out. But. Yeah, you know, and I know we had talked about this. Like, there's so much. Like, even if you go back, and I did this maybe at work the other day. I went back and I watched the earlier trailers. And, mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's, again, stuff that gets cut out. Which, you know, that happens in a lot of movies, you know, no matter what. But with this one in particular, with the reshoots and the change in directors from, you know, Snyder to Whedon for post-production... Yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot that got left out. And I would, you know, when we did our, our book club episode, we talked about Snyder's Watchmen and, and him as a director generally. It's like, I would love, I would actually, and I'm, you and I might be among the few, but like, I would love to see the Snyder, like the full original Snyder cut of this oh, movie. Oh, I would have loved, I would love to see that. Yeah, totally. Again, I, I'm wondering if the black costume was in the Snyder cut. Like, it might have been. Well, so, like, and just for the record, I mean, that's not this, like, I think, you know, you see Whedon's influence in this and, and, and probably a lot of the humor, and a lot of the humor I enjoyed, so I'm not saying I, I think the Snyder version would be better necessarily, but I would just be curious to see and to see all of that footage. And I don't know, it's like, maybe there was the black costume, because clearly, you know, there was that whole bit with uh, Henry Cavill's mustache, right, that they yeah. CGI, they removed via CGI, and his face does look a little off in certain scenes, including mm-hmm. that post-resurrection scene. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What was the original version of that? Maybe well, it was the black costume. In one of the earliest trailers, the um, why I know this is because like any footage of Flash that came out, I was like nitpicking. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Because I because he's my favorite character and I'm just so excited to see him on the screen and stuff. But in the early trailers, they're like there's that one scene when he when he's fighting Superman when he like starts to run, he like touches the ground and then like takes off. And in the first trailer, it looks like it's nighttime. And then in, like, the last trailer in the movie, it's, like, bright daytime. So, like, I'm wondering, like, it had to be, like, completely different. Like, But I don't know how, how much of the humor was Whedon, though, because I feel like like Aquaman and Flash, like, the humor that they had probably was in there from the beginning. That's you know? true. Like, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe we're overestimating Whedon's influence on this. Well, all right, so that actually brings me to something else that I, mm-hmm. I want to say about the tone of this, because mm-hmm. I know, like, some of the more critical reviews you know, accuse this of being, you know, a reaction to the, to the reviews of Batman v Super, you know, the response to Batman v Superman and an attempt by DC to be more like Marvel. But like, I felt like the, the, the tone was lighter, but I felt like it, I don't know, it didn't feel unnatural. Like it felt like a natural progression and maybe I'm giving Snyder and company too much credit, but I feel like this was the direction that they were going in. Like, I feel like the end of Batman v Superman set up the return of a, of an altered Superman. I completely agree. This this is just me being a fan, in my opinion of it, but I don't think that, like, Superman... I think Superman always inspired hope in this world. I just think that in Batman versus Superman, it was, like, seen from Batman's perspective, and, like, the way they shot stuff was, like... Hmm. Like, when he's saving... He, you see him saving people all the time in Batman versus Superman, but it's just... It's shot in a way where it's, like, very, like, somber and, like, dark, and, like, I think it's because the whole movie... I think that's a Batman movie, really, with Superman as the antagonist. And, like, not that he's the villain, but he's, like, the antagonist of the main character. And I think, kind of like the Dark Knight Returns book, where, like, Superman isn't really shown in the greatest light because it's from Batman's perspective of, like, looking at him from this, like, fear of being an alien. And it's not until the very end, when Batman comes around, that Superman, like, you actually see him as, like, he's shot in a way where he looks more heroic. And then, like, at the end, 
when all the people are with their lights and stuff and they build that monument where it's like if you seek his oh, whoops knocked it over get really excited you're talking about this <laughs> good thing that was um, empty that <laughs> could have been bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> so sorry about that i'm gonna put this down no here. worries um when they build his monument it says if you seek his monument look around you and it's like this whole big like what superman means and like Clark even makes the comment where in that movie where the whole world doesn't share Bruce Wayne's sentiment. Like most of the world thinks the opposite. So like, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's always there. It just wasn't shown. You know what? Maybe. I, I mean, I've, I've been defending Batman V Superman, but that's an excellent, that's an excellent point. And yeah, maybe, maybe Snyder's just misunderstood. Yeah. I, I, I think he knocks out of the park with these movies. Like I like them. Like, it's you know it's it's so funny like even though I even though I enjoy these movies and I've you know I did a whole podcast on you know in defense of Batman v Superman but it's like it's weird I'm just used to encountering so much negativity from these movies it's like so weird to talk to someone who's like they're great <laughs> well I think especially with Justice League I think people went into it wanting to hate it like yeah. I, I just I think there I I don't see how you could go into that movie with an open mind coming out like hating it like I just don't get it because it's like. It's like if you go in wanting to pick it apart, like, yeah, oh, the villain sucks and blah, blah, blah. But it's like all the Marvel villains suck too, though. Like, and if the villains are really great, then the heroes are shortchanged. And I don't want the hero shortchanged in Justice League. Like, you know right. what I mean? So I don't know. I agree. I, I mean, I definitely had that sense as well that people really seemed like to have it out for this movie. And it's like, why? I just don't get that. It's like, why would you want to go into a movie? with that yeah. attitude it's like if you if you feel that strongly about it and you just don't go like you vote with your wallet mm -hmm. I, like that i can respect it's like yeah. okay fine like you really think you're gonna dislike it so you don't go yeah yeah but it's like to go and be like oh, I'm, I'm not gonna like this it's like what like why would you do that to yourself yeah yeah i don't know i don't get it um but i feel like and from like reading stuff from friends on facebook and everything <coughs> i kind of get the sense people who did go in with mm -hmm. a willingness and an open mind i think did enjoy it yeah you know, and I think there's a lot to enjoy. I mean, you know, the villain piece of it was, was probably what I disliked most. Me too. Me too. But yeah. uh, again, like, I agree. Like, that's not what this movie was about. Like, the movie was about the team coming together and everything yeah. else was really just kind of, you know, to get you from, you know, well, from I mean, one point it's to not, another. It's not, like, objectively, it's not any deeper or less deep than the Avengers was. Like, very, Avengers is a paper-thin plot. Like, yeah. it really does. Like, but you don't care because you like the characters interacting. And, like, it may be my DC bias, but, like... I was just so happy to see Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg like on the screen, like in real life, like that. I never thought I'd see it or I wanted to see it my whole life. So it was like, you know, you know what I think with, with the villain, I think the fact that they use CGI to mm -hmm. render him and he wasn't rendered so great either. Yeah, yeah. I think that compounded the problem. Cause it's like, if it's a simple villain, but at least you can, it's a physical person, yeah. you know, maybe you connect with it a little bit more, but yeah. I think like having a CGI villain with such a basic motivation, left left a little bit to be desired but it's like that's really the 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 worst thing about the movie for me yeah no i agree i really wish his face was the actor i wish they yeah. i wish the actual like face part of it was like the syrian hines i think was the actor i wish they like left his face as the face and just cg'd his whole body but yeah. you know but i enjoyed it i you know i um got choked up when uh clark reunited with lois and mm -hmm. then with his mother yeah yeah no yeah i really liked it like i liked all the stuff with uh henry allen 
in, with the prison. Like, I thought he was great. So I wanted to ask you about that. And Steph and I were talking about this after the movie because it's like, I'm, I'm torn. Because mm-hmm. it was very reminiscent of what we saw on the Flash TV series. Mm-hmm. And it's like, does it make sense to do the same thing? Because that's what people are familiar with. Or like, would it have made more sense to like do something a little different? Like, it was just weird seeing like the same setup, but not Grant Gustin and John Wesley ship. I mean, that's his story, though. It's like I saying know. like, does Clark need parents on a farm? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's kind of like... <laughs> In fairness, though, it wasn't always Barry's story. I mean, this whole thing about his his dead mom and his dad in prison. I mean, this is only over the past few years. That's true, but Barry also didn't get that that post crisis reboot that has kind of become true. The uh, the mainstay for all these characters, like you know what I mean. Like the original Superman origin isn't the one that most people know. You know, it's like it's the right. John Byrne one. You know what I mean? So. It, or an approximation of the John Byrne one, you know? So he he's one of those characters that didn't... He didn't have that post-crisis modernization. His post-crisis modernization was Wally West. Like, that's what right. it was, you know what that's I mean? That's a good so, point, yeah. Yeah, so he... I feel like that that when Jeff Johns did Flash Rebirth, that was kind of like a delayed, kind of modernized, decompressed origin. Because, like, Batman got year one, Superman got Man of Steel, Wonder Woman got the George Perez thing. like And, like, yeah, like all those characters. like And Green Lantern, I mean, his origin is really what we think of as the jeff johns one you know what i mean so i mean for the modern day you know so but yeah i mean i'm i'm very excited i'm really excited to see the aquaman movie it should be good i am too no i mean i think it'll be a lot of fun i real, i mean i enjoyed this jason momoa take on the character yeah yeah me too it was a lot of fun no it was like i said i enjoyed it i mean do you feel I mean, you seem pretty, you know, uh, loud and proud with your enjoyment of these movies. But I don't know. Do you ever feel like a little, not ner- nervous is probably too strong a word, but like a little a little apprehensive about sharing these opinions when so many people seem to hate these movies? No, not at all. Because like, I just, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of herd mentality going on. Like, I, okay, I, I didn't see the new Spider-Man movie because I thought I would hate it. I, and I, I want to see it now that it's on Blu-ray. But it, it it fell when I had a deadline and everything, and like I didn't want to like I wasn't like I'm not gonna waste this time that I don't have right now and for a movie I'm probably gonna hate. Because, but I feel like it's from what I've heard about the Spider-Man movie, they take great liberty with his story, and like not even close from what I from basically from what I know of Spider-Man to what was on this movie from what I'm told, it's like not even even remotely the same character. But like everyone seems to love it because it's in the Marvel universe, you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's interesting though, because it's like, I enjoy the Marvel. I mean, for the record, I enjoy the Marvel movies. Like, I go and they come out, I enjoy them. Oh, I do too. I do too. I love them. Yeah. I mean, like, they're entertaining and they're a good time. But, you know, again, going back to like, to Batman v Superman, I know people complain, like, oh, it was like, took itself too seriously. But I don't know. I sometimes I like a little bit more weight to this. And the Marvel movies sometimes feel like they're fun, but sometimes like they're, they're light. They're family movies. Yeah. Is what they feel like. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, I love the serious stuff. I love taking it seriously. And I love have, making it, like, epic and, like... But, see, this is... <laughs> of the Netflix shows, Iron Fist is my favorite one. So, again, I'm not... I'm not... I get, I don't think I'm in line with, like, most people's opinions on this stuff. You are but, an outlier. So far, yeah. we've, we've been we've been seeing eye to eye. But yeah. it, so, Iron Fist is not my favorite. However, once again, I really do feel like it did not deserve the hate that it, it got. It got so much hate for yeah. no reason. I know. Like... And people were saying that he had like crappy fights. I thought his fight scenes looked so good. Like, cause it looked like, I think people are confusing like aggressiveness with like good fights. Like 
Daredevil <clears throat> fights very aggressively. I, I, I took karate like my whole life. So like to me, that's why I love Iron Fist. He's like the martial art. He's my favorite Marvel character. And um, that's probably, and again, I'm biased because I, I wanted the show to be good and I, I think it's good. But um, I like that his fights weren't like aggressive. Like I like that he was very calm and in control and smooth. And it wasn't like he was like just beating the shit out of people. He was like, like fighting them to submission then moving on. It wasn't like this aggressive, dark, angry thing, you know? Right. Well, so, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you too enjoy the Zack Snyder (laughs) DC films, you know, join our support club. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah, totally. I talk to people from time to time who express similar opinions. Like, there are others out there. It's, you know... I, I just... If you don't like the movies, that's that's great. Like if you if you hate the DC movies and you love the Marvel, like I mean that's your opinion. That's awesome. I, I but like I just don't like the whole thing where oh well everyone says this sucks, so it must suck, and I must agree with it. Like I, I don't like that. It's like form your own opinion. See it yourself. Like form your own opinion, and don't be afraid to 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 say like yeah I like this or I didn't like. You know what I mean? Right. I mean yeah, I, I never get in fights with people about it because ultimately this is just for fun. You know, it's like this is just fun stuff, and people who get so angry about it like. I just want them to keep making them. You know what I mean? That's like my only investment in this movie. It's like, I just want these movies to keep getting made. So yeah. it's my, I feel like I used to get a lot more worked up over these TV shows and movies and be a lot more demanding in what I wanted from them. And like, and then I got a girlfriend and then I like, wasn't, and I, I don't say that to be flip or anything, but it's like, I think that made a difference. <laughs> I wasn't so worried anymore about, you know, the color of Superman's costume. It's like, yeah, uh, this shade of blue, that shade of blue. It's all yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, also, I think the more that this stuff is made, I think we just start subconsciously. I'm not even sure if you thought about this yet, but subconsciously, I've realized that, like, this is the Justice League for right now. In 10 years from now, there's going to be a different Justice League. In 10 right. years from now, there's going to be a different. And, like, so if you don't love this particular version of it, or this isn't like surplanting the real version, which is, in my opinion, the comic books. You know what I mean? So it's just another take that's out there. Well said. Well, speaking of comics, circling back to the comic book side, like, what's it like working for DC? Ah, uh, super fun. <laughs> well, I mean, so, like, what's the process like? So, again, I, you mentioned before, you know, doing work for some other smaller publishers before getting this DC work. So, how did you parlay those earlier gigs into drawing at DC? Well, how I originally started at Aspen was that, how, where did I start? I went to art school. I went to Pratt Institute for animation. Um, I took a lot of comic book classes and illustration classes when I was there though. And one of my teachers was a comic book artist for Marvel. His name was Floyd Hughes, but he had a bunch of pen names. He's British. So he used pen names. <laughs> um, Reggie Jones, I think was his big Marvel one that he did like, uh, Inhumans and Deadpool and stuff on and green arrow. Maybe he did, but, um, yeah, but he, he did a lot of inking for my, and he was like the big comic book guy. And he, um, Great teacher, best teacher I had, Floyd Hughes. Awesome. If you go to Pratt, <laughs> you take try to take his classes. Um, but yeah, so I was on his advice. I started going to conventions and the New York Comic Con and just started showing my art around. And it took years, man, of just like going over and over and over and over and over. And like I said, and I got the Blue Water gig because I emailed them. I cold emailed them, and they were like the only comic book company that emailed me back did you email them samples yeah 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 yeah. and i was doing sample pages like constantly throughout college and after i graduated and it was just this constant just grind of like doing stuff you know over and over and over again and going to these cons and getting feedback and eventually when i got the blue water thing i used that work to then show xenoscope at a con and then xenoscope 
took my art back with them and then I got an email from their guy and then with those Xenoscope pages, I Boom actually emailed me. Then I did the Boom work and then at the New York Comic Con, I showed my Boom work to Aspen and they had seen me for years coming around like showing stuff and they were like, oh, we think you're good enough now. So do you want to come and draw it for us? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, hell, of course I do. Because they were like, of all the indie companies that I wanted to work for, they were like the one because they were Michael Turner's company. And um, like, and, and to this day, they're like my comic book family. Like I'm still super tight with them. I still do covers for them. I'm still like, I'm always going to consider them my comic book family because they're just like such like good people. And yeah, and, and I learned so much working with them. Like there's like their editors and Frank, Master Mario, who runs the company, and Vince Hernandez, their editor, and uh, Peter Steigerwald, the other co-owner and colorist extraordinaire. Like they're all like very tight, and they helped me grow as an artist and all that. So it was great, um, great experience. What was the original <laughs> question? <laughs> no. I got so like sidetracked there. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, how you ultimately ended up at DC? Oh, so when I was working at Aspen, I was working with JT Cruel, the writer. He's a writer, and I was working with him for pretty much the whole time. I worked on a Fathom miniseries that he had co-written with Vince Hernandez and then I worked on Soulfire which he had written and then I worked on this book called Journey the second volume that he had created it was a creator own book for him and it is this fantasy book and I did the second volume of it with him and me and him have such a great working relationship and yeah and he also does a lot of work at DC and um, he had this idea that he wanted to and he knew that I love the DC characters and I really wanted to get, get a chance to work there and stuff and he had this idea about bringing back these '90s characters from the Bloodlines. Um, uh, what was it originally? An- the, annual. The annuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> I had never heard of any of these characters when he he brought this up to me. I had like no idea what this is about because I'm a huge DC fan, but this was like a little bit before my time. And um, but so I, he he brought them, showed them to me, and we came up with this idea. We came up with, up with this pitch, and I liked a lot of the characters, and he pitched it to DC and. From there, I don't know what happened, but DC approved it, and we were off and running. So, yeah, JT handled pretty much all the 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 because I had I, I didn't know any of them at that time. JT was the one who until you know, right? Yeah, but it's also like hard work too. You oh know? no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because it's like because if if like me and JT didn't get along, or, right, or, right, or right. if I was like like slacking when I was working with him at Aspen, or like any of that stuff, you know what I mean? Like I I, I think the best advice I would give to an artist is whatever you're working on do it with 110% of your ability, you know, and, and like genuinely want to do a good job on it because like it, it all really matters, you know, like, like the quality of your work, but the timeliness and the reliability and like making sure you hit your deadlines. And like, that's like super important because there's so many people depending on you, like their jobs depend on you, like not just like the company who depend on you to get your stuff out, but also like your inkers and your colorists and all these people depend on you to, to make sure you're hitting your deadline. So it's like, right. yeah, it's just, uh, just be a, like a reliable, you know? Yeah. No. And I didn't mean to imply it was just connections. Like, oh, I, mean, yeah, I, I certainly know, yeah. you know, there's, you know, there's so much that goes into it, but um, you know, at least that helped you get your foot in the door and then, you know, you were able to cultivate relationships with other editors. Like, so once you did the bloodlines, how did that lead mm-hmm. to, to these other projects? Yeah. No. Um, uh, they just seemed to like what I did and they shared my stuff around to the other editorial groups and uh, the Superman slash Green Lantern group was, was one editorial group and they're the ones who I've been working with since. So 
It's been good. So they just re- reach out to you and they're like, hey, we have an arc on Trinity that we want you to well, do. No, it started out. Or with, with Hal Jordan. What was the first thing I did with them? Was, uh, was the DC holiday special for last year. It was the Green Lanterns part of it. That's when the first time I drew them. And then right after that, they're like, oh, we got an opening on Hal. Do you want to? We've got one issue on Hal. Do you want to try it out? And I was like, oh, yeah. So much. Hal's like one of my favorite characters, you know? And then after that one issue, they gave me an arc on Hal. And then I did an issue of Titans which was um, Brett Booth draws that book regularly. It's the book with Wally West. And I've been friends with Brett for a while and, and Andrew Dollhouse and those guys on that and Norm Ratman, that whole art team. And they wanted me to do a fill-in on that book. And um, I got to do one issue of Titans, which was great because I got to draw Wally and that was like so much fun. And then I was supposed to come back and do more Hal, but before I was done with that, they were just like, Hey, do you want to do Trinity instead? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to do that. I want to draw Superman. Of course, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's awesome that you, you know, can you continue to, um, you know, get these assignments. Clearly they, they like what you do for them. And I think everything you said before too, about just being professional and hitting deadlines and all of that. I mean, I'm sure that's so critical in all of this. I mean, you know, in, in a past episode, I spoke with Brandon Montclair, who was one of the former owners of Alternate Realities, and he was an editor at DC for a while, and, and he's a comic book writer and creator as well. Um, but that was something that he talked about as far as, you know, breaking into the industry, like the importance of, you know, fostering those relationships with editors. And, you know, once they know the quality of your work and your work ethic, it's like they'll they'll continue to give you assignments. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I have, like I said, so I've only been there a couple of years, but... um. But yeah, that seems um seems pretty much it. Like it seems like if you're reliable and you can like keep your quality of work up, that's definitely the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess what's the what's the goal? Like an exclusive contract, a series oh, regular <laughs> penciling gig. I would love that exclusive contract would be great. Um, I also would I'd love to just work on these characters. You know, like I'd love to go draw more Hal Jordan. I'd love to draw the Flash. You know, <laughs> I would, like because obviously, um, I'd love to draw Superman and action comics and like. Nightwing, I would love to. I mean, there's so many DC Aquaman. I'd love to draw Aquaman for like a run, um, right? Because I've always liked that character. Like even before he was like cool, you know, with Jason Momoa. Like I've liked him like when I was a kid. I liked Aquaman. So uh, there's so m- many of the DC characters I just like want to draw so badly. So yeah, I mean, it's you know we've only spent so much time together, and I'm sure there are times where this can be a grind. But the overall sense that I get from you is that you you seem genuinely happy and enthused to be doing this. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, they're definitely under the deadline, the deadline strains. There's definitely, like, like I said, last three months, like, I didn't leave my house that much. I didn't have weekends or anything. I was just working like crazy. But it's worth it, you know? It's like the hard work is, like, it's you get to do what you love and you get paid for it and i get to draw these characters i've always loved as a kid you know like the stuff that (laughs) i was telling my friend this like like he goes to work and he's like crunching numbers all day and like when when i'm at work i'm like thinking about how big should batman's like ears be in a silhouette you know what i mean it's like i get to think about like yeah stuff that most people think is just like fun or like you know not important but like that's like my job so it's it's awesome like it's so much fun no that's very cool and then what's the i mean like what's the working relationship like with the the writers i guess specifically the writers and inkers that you're working with um i mean i've always had good working relationships with my writers on with on green lantern and hal jordan it was robert venditti who's a really cool guy and um and then on um trinity was rob williams also another really great guy i got to hang out with both of them in new york comic-con um 
I like both. They're, they're, they're like they're both their writing styles are really great. Um, do you give like do they consult with you? Or do you give any input, or is it more just like here's the script, uh, like go do your thing? With, with JT, we were very collaborative because we had worked together so long, and Bloodlines was almost like a like that reimagining of that book was almost like a co. We, we kind of like it, it wasn't like we co-plotted it because he wrote it all, but it was like very like we both threw ideas in there in terms of like characters and character development and all that. But um, with Rob, with the two Robs that I worked with, um, they, uh, yeah, no, they, they get, they do the story with the editors, the editors break all that stuff down and then um, they give it to me. And then I, I send layouts in and then usually to like the writers and then the editors and everyone and then get feedback from that and then move forward. Like, so it's, it's all very collaborative. And my anchor, I'm working with now his name is Sandu Floria he's like one of the best like he's so good I've and I've I've worked with great anchors I got to work with Dexter Vines I got to work with um Ray McCarthy I got to work with McGray I got to work with Sean Parsons like I've got to work with like really great guys so they and they've all done great work and like kicked butt and I always like it's so cool to see the inks come back you know so and you pencil rather tightly right yeah yeah pretty tight yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, so again, like the, the art side of it is, is a little outside my wheelhouse, but, uh, you know, I know how important, you know, the inker can be, you know, going back to Tom, he and I always <laughs> talked about, um, you know, I mean, he's a big Jim Lee fan and as mm. I am as well. And I know Jim Lee primarily works with Scott Williams, mm, yeah. right? And there was, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, DC put out a hero's book based on the, the TV, the NBC series. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the covers, Jim Lee penciled it and then Alex Ross painted over it. Yes. And there were no inks. Like yes. I think he painted. It didn't look great, at least as as far as we felt. I don't know if, if you felt otherwise, but uh, it just it just kind of highlighted that like the importance of that relationship that they have. You know, Jim Lee and Scott Williams. You know, normally. Oh yeah, well, it's when there's a penciler and inker, it like the finished product is a um, it's a third artist essentially. It's like literally like because if you look at, I'll use myself as an example. Like if you look at my work from the past and, and another anchor I got to work with Norm Ratman. I only got to work with him on that one issue of Titans because he's, he normally inks Brett when he was on that book, but Norm kicked ass on that too. I have one of the pages actually from that on my wall. Um, but if you look at all the, the, um, the stuff I've done, it looks like different. Like each anchor brings their own thing to it and you can all tell I'm the one who drew it, the pencils, but each anchor adds a different kind of like sheen to it. So mm. it looks like a different, style almost for each different one and it's really cool it's a cool and that's what i like about comics is that's very collaborative you know yeah and uh i have i was just at a con a couple weeks ago an indie con at pratt like with in, independent artists and stuff and the most of them i was on a panel and i was the only guy who did mainstream work there and they were one girl was like shocked that like i had the confidence to like give my work to an anchor and because like she's someone who did it all herself from start to finish and I, I on one hand I see, understand that mentality but on the other hand like for me it's like to me this is like what makes comics so special is that it's it is a team effort and it's a collaborative process and when you get people that lock really well together like it just like is great you know it's like it's cool it's like I don't know yeah yeah no I hear you and right it's the anchor it's the colorist the letter the color, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know all of these these different pieces coming together you know, we talked about uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee on, on Batman Hush. And, you know, one thing that has always been said about Jeff Loeb is that he writes well for his artists. Like, he really tailors mm -hmm. the scripts for the artists. So, if someone were to try to tailor a script for V. Ken Marion, I would like, what kind of stuff would be in that script? The heroes in costumes all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, you, you have to draw the stuff where they're out of costume and stuff, but that stuff's not nearly as fun to draw. Like, I just like, you know what I mean? For a v, that might be a, not a, a, a very deep answer, but, um, but yeah, that's like the stuff that's fun to draw, are like the fight scenes and the, the characters in costume, like the big, like in your face kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And so I know, you know, we said you, you know, you pencil tightly. I know you uh, have described your approach as more traditional, your process as more traditional, right? So it's mm-hmm. pencil and paper, yep, right? You're not, pretty much. You're not uh, doing it digitally. And your eraser. And a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No digital. No. no. I like having the original art to, to sell, you know, or, or to have if I, if I decide to keep it. Because I've definitely kept like a lot of my pages that don't sell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for people who might be interested in purchasing one of your original pages, where could they do that? Uh, find me at a convention. I also, you can email me or find me on Twitter or Instagram. I don't have a website up yet. I know it sounds so unprofessional, but I just haven't got, there's so much stuff I have to do with that. Like I haven't gotten around to, but yeah. Um, yeah, just reach out to me on like Twitter or, or, um, or email me. So, and then as far as, you know, like hitting deadlines and stuff like that, I, I watched an interview you did. I, it was at comic con last year, I think. And you were saying, um, like eight to 14 hours a page, depending on how complicated it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a full day, you know, plus depending on, on yeah. how com- how complicated it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, there's many days where like, especially just recently where I was up till like, oh, like one in the morning, you know, and waking up at like six and yeah, just getting a little run down with that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we got to hit the deadlines, you know, and, and I don't want any of the pages to, to suffer because of it, you know, like I don't want to like not draw like a, a background or anything, you know, so yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to me, I, you know, and this was a, such a big piece of, um, you know, the, the comic shop podcast, because I'm always fascinated by people who take what they love comics and then turn it into their career mm-hmm. in those cases, you know, you know, comic book stores. But I mean, a similar thing for you. And I, I mean, I, I get the sense that I know the answer to this based on everything we've been talking about. But I mean, is it still something you enjoy? Like, I mean, it's still fun and cool and it doesn't just feel like a job. I, I mean, it's still fun and cool, but it definitely feels yeah. like a job. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm not going to, like, lie about that because it's definitely, like, when it, even though it's fun, it's still work. You know what I mean? And you, I'm sure if you ask anybody, like, you ask, like, basketball players, I'm sure they're, like, oh, I'm so tired right now from, like, working, like, from, yeah. like, shooting these free throws. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely work, but it's definitely rewarding and really fun, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know? Do you write at all? Uh, I've got a creator owned superhero book that I've been slowly working on oh, for cool. the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm I'll, I'll bring it out at some point, but I'm just, it's, it's hard to find the time to went around like doing this all the time to actually work on it. But yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, again, like, you know, you mentioned with the deadlines and stuff, it's like, I, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it's like. And I, I know from being a comic book reader, you know, how, you know, books sometimes can be late or, you know, mm-hmm. again, need fill in artists or stuff like that. So to be able to hit those deadlines yeah, is really something. And, you know, it's, I know it's tough. Yeah. It's definitely, that's the hardest aspect about this for sure is the, the deadline stuff. Cause it becomes a grind, you know, it's like, and then when you're feeling kind of sick or whatever, you still got to work, you know? So it's like, not, I'm not trying to get you to badmouth anybody, but I'm just curious. Cause again, like there are some artists who are like notoriously late and books mm. that are months delayed and things like that. I mean, as an artist yourself, when you see something like that, do you just kind of feel like, Hey, like, you know, get your, get your act together. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't really think it's weird. I don't really pay too much attention to like what other people are doing. I, that might sound really bad, but like, I'm just so focused on my own stuff that like, 
I don't really pay attention to what else is going on. Just like I don't really read comic news anymore. Like about like I had no idea what was going on Doomsday Clock at all. Like when we were talking about that before. Like I I don't read preview pages or anything. I just kind of stick to my own stuff because I feel like if I go on the internet rabbit hole about looking at the stuff, then eventually I'm gonna find my way to reviews of my own stuff. And I'm like I I just don't want to know. I just I just I want to stay completely in the dark, do my thing, pretend I'm like you know like a kid again just drawing these characters and like that's it you know actually i was going to ask about that if if you do read your own reviews so you you as a policy you tend not to i tend not to no every once in a while my dad reads all of them he always like he was oh you got a good one i'm like i don't i don't want to know i just don't want to know because like yeah because i I feel like they don't help because if it's a if it's a bad review it makes you really self-conscious if it's a good review you think you're like great and you, you know you've got nowhere else to go so it's like to me it's like either way it doesn't really help you know what i mean like the only thing that helps is looking at your own stuff and figuring out what you can do better and moving forward uh so i know you know you were mentioning this earlier but again just for any aspiring creators who might be listening to this uh, artists in particular um you know looking to break into the industry i mean what general advice might what you offer uh don't give up i think that's the like being persistent is like super crucial um some people are get lucky and you know, the first con they go to, they hit the right person the right day and they can break right in. But most people it's like an uphill battle to just break in. And then like once you're in, you got to work really hard to, to stay in, you know, um, that's definitely the biggest piece of advice is just be really persistent and to figure out like to be smart about it. Like to, if you know what your art looks like to go to companies or people that will be responsive to your style and your look and, to take the advice that you're given as well when they give you feedback, like to not be so arrogant and to be like, Oh, well you don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm the artist. This is my, you know, you have to be able to, to take feedback and to roll with people because like when you're doing something like this for commercial gain, like it doesn't matter what your artistic, you know what I mean? Like you have to play ball with the people who you're working with, no matter what that is. So just taking advice and, being open to taking advice and just working on basic fundamentals of anatomy and perspective. Like, and that's the technical thing with the drawing, but yeah, that, that would be it. The big thing is don't give up. That is an interesting point as far as, you know, reconciling maybe your vision as an artist with the, the, the needs confines, of the company, but like, yeah, like the needs of the company. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, cause it's, it's true. It's like, okay, well here's a going with Captain America right now. He doesn't have the wings on his head. Right. I like the wings on Captain America's head, but if I work at Marvel, I can't draw the wings on his head. You know right. what I mean? Cause it's like, and it's like, I can't get mad about that either because it's like, that is what they do. It's like, if I want to draw him with the wings on his head, I can do it. I can do it. I just won't get paid for it. You know what I mean? So I can <laughs> do it on my own, you know? So you have to, that was one of the things that art school really hammered into us was that if you want to do this stuff for a living, you have to bring your own creative energy to it and you have to bring your own artistic voice and all of that. But you also have to be willing to, to meet people halfway and to work within like the, the, um, the needs of what your client wants in this case, DC comics, like what my bosses want, you know? So. Right. Well said. No, I think that is, I think that is really good advice. So, uh, you know, if, if you're out there and this is something that you want to do, I think that's, that's really something to keep in mind. I don't know. Like I, I did the super old school way where you just go to con. I know apparently nobody else breaks in that way anymore from what I'm told. Like, like it's almost impossible to break in that way anymore, but I just went to cons and just like 
bugged people until they basically hired me. So, uh, one of your editors on Trinity was Paul Kaminsky, right? Yes. Yeah. Do, do you know Paul? I do know Paul. Yeah. Really? Cool. Not cool. like super well, but uh, he he used to shop at least occasionally at Alternate Realities. Really? Uh, cool. I don't know if he was a full fledged regular or not, but uh, yeah. And then I certainly knew him when he was at Archie, and I would see him at the Archie booth and stuff. And we've kept in touch a little bit. So yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. No, Paul's great. Paul's awesome to work with. I hope to do a lot more work with him. So because he was awesome. So. Well, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the work that you've done so far, and I'm excited to see everything that comes ahead. I hope you get that exclusive contract. I hope you get that flash book. Oh, I hope so, man. From your mouth to God's ears, right? <laughs> like, uh, but thank you so much for uh, being part of this episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, no, just thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure, of course. So, um, so thank you once again for being a part of this. Thank you to everyone for listening. And as always, just keep punching. Keep punching.